0: Jennifer Strickland. These next three episodes, all three of them, are part of my series, What is a Woman? Uh, Matt Walsh wrote a book called What is a Woman? And I am doing a podcast answering that question. (laughs) So if he's out there, Matt, here is your answer. And it, you know, I want, I've been listening back to the previous episodes, because this is such a rich Study And there's so much to it that I want to make sure that I don't miss anything uh, because I'm learning. I'm learning. And I want to take our listeners, I want to take you on a learning journey with me to answer that question. Because the truth is, it is the question of the hour. It is the question of the day. Uh, whether it's the women's Supreme court or it's the Miss universe pageant or it's the sports or it's the bathrooms or it's in the schools or men are kind of going, uh, I can tell you what a woman is. <laughs> you know, like, I don't have any trouble with that. What's your problem, ladies? You know, part of it is that even the feminists are really divided. Uh, they're really divided on this topic and uh, for good reason. Uh, because when you look at the history of feminism in the very beginning, you know, women were at first standing up for something that was super valid, which is that women deserve the right to vote, <laughs> that we were not second class class citizens, and that we had equal standing with men and that we had gifts and talents and abilities. Uh, you also saw them fighting to uh, get rid of uh female genital mutilation, which was a really big problem in China and Africa. And it was the women's voices in the feminist movement coming out of the 60s and 70s that would not relent, that saved a lot of those little girls from being mutilated way back when. So in the in the beginning, what I see, there may have been some kind of rejection of the home or of the family. But overall, in the beginning, I see that they just wanted to use their voices and they wanted to be treated equal in the workplace, um, have a vote. They wanted to uh, use their gifts and talents and abilities to bring revelation and truth into the world. Uh, and... Certainly in the church, we've had a wave of women. You look at even the Me Too movement and then some of the things that have come out in the church. The church covered up a lot of abuses of women over over the centuries, and that is really not a good thing (laughs) because it is the woman and the man together that complete the image and the likeness of God. Remember that image and likeness are male—sorry, or not male and female, but masculine. And feminine words when God says, I created you according to my image and likeness. He is using two words that in the Hebrew are are gendered, they're masculine words and feminine words. He's saying, I am going to create uh, one and then I'm gonna make him two, and then I'm gonna tell him I want you to be one again. Uh, that he wants men and women to work together side by side and face to face to protect humanity and to pass on the commands of God. Uh, when we got into taking the commands of God off off the wall in in public schools, we began not to teach and, and and not for the children to remember the things of God and the way that our founding fathers founded this nation. And that is actually part of the function of the male. And I want to review these terms, male and female, before I teach on man and woman because i want to make sure that i'm clear about something men fear uh domination and dominion of women when you talk about a woman being a leader a lot especially cuz you know i'm filtering a lot of this for, through what i what i see in the church body is that when you when you hear that they they fear domination they they and that's That's one of the things that you just don't see in Genesis when it comes to the creation. You do not see that one dominates the other. You don't see one is superior to the other. What you see is the man is the head, the first, and the beginning. So when you look at that word, male, you're going to see in the original language. And again, if you're watching on YouTube, this is a great one to watch on YouTube, because if you can see the pictographs of the ancient Hebrew that I've been talking about on this series, and by the way, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. I'm so glad you're along for the ride. And I really suggest that you go back to the beginning of the What is a Woman series so that you understand that I am actually looking at the original pictographic Hebrew that Moses wrote the book of Genesis in. There is a principle called zakar, interestingly, is that principle means two things. It means to remember, to go back, so we can go forward. And it also means male, zakar. That word means one who remembers the commands of God and lives them out and acts them out. If you look at the pictographic Hebrew, and I'm putting the slide up on the video on YouTube here, just to remind everybody is that the first letter is that weapon that plow. It was an agricultural community. And so when God says in His Word in the book of Genesis, we made male and female according to our likeness, when He's referring to the male, the first letter is like a weapon, a weapon of warfare, a weapon of work. The second letter is this open palm that there would be this vision that also a man would use his hands. And you're gonna see those, that same image of hands in the word man. When we're talking about the male, it is the weapon, it is the open palm, and it is the head of man. The head of man means head, person, first, top, beginning. So when people, uh, you know, feel uh, like worried or upset. She's talking about women as leaders. I'm like, uh, have you seen a third grade teacher lately? (laughs) Have you seen women? The women I am surrounded by are leaders. (laughs) They're leaders. My mentor, Debbie Titus, she is a worldwide leader. She's a leader, but her husband is still the head. And that name, that letter, that rash that looks like the top of a head, uh, two hands put together is in the male name. And it is a cornerstone and a foundation for understanding the male-female relationship. Remember, and we're going to look at this in the next couple episodes. Remember that when, even when Eve sinned, God questioned the man. Okay. So I want to make sure that, and, and, and the, of course the feminists are out there are like, Oh, we're the same. Oh, do you want to be the one who was first held account for the entire family ladies? Do you want to be that one? I'm just checking. I'm just checking because when God holds a man accountable for the state of his family, that is a huge shouldering of responsibility that truthfully was assigned to the male. We are equal, we are companions, we are complementary, we are opposite. We are face to face. We are side by side. But he is the one who is the head. If there is a man in the home, he is responsible. Okay, he it there. There's, there does have to be one captain. And personally, I find that a relief when I think about my husband, the cowboy. <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm really glad to be the the side-by-side co-captain. And if I need to steer that wheel for a little while for him, he'll tell me. But the truth is he's the captain and that works. That works because he honors my voice and I honor his. So this is a, Debbie Titus, I mentioned her name before. She's been my longtime mentor. She calls it gender appreciation. And I think that's a really, really good, way to put it. It's a really good phrase to say gender appreciation that we appreciate and honor men. And I think that that's part of where the feminist movement really went wrong is the, I don't need a man. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) All right. You want to, you want to be the first, you want to be the beginning, you want to be the head, try it. You know, maybe for you and your family that works. But uh, men and women are not only biologically very, very different, we are also different in our function. And the Hebrew language, which is the Judeo-Christian ethic, this is a language of function. It is not a language of form. Although there is form in the words male and female. We talked about that on a previous episode. There's mostly function inside of our name. Our name, even the word male and female, they're verbs in Hebrew. Verbs, the English teacher in me wants to remind you, are action. They're action verbs. So when you see these letters in the name male, the weapon, the hands, the head, this is all the action of the male. He works the ground, right, from the agricultural society. It's really not all that different today. In fact, the easy way to understand it is the man builds the structure and the woman fills it with life. The man builds the structure and the woman fills it with life. Um, Okay, the other thing I wanted to say before we move on regarding the male that I realized I did not, I have not said yet in this series, is that in that Hebrew word, zakar, is also one who acts or speaks on behalf of the family. In other words, he is the representative of the family in the family record. Now, that makes a lot of sense all the way through the scriptures. When we see the genealogies, it will say, you know, Noah, Ham, Sham, (laughs) all these guys, right? The whole genealogies, the records are of the male because the family name is passed down through the male. And it is done also that today. Ladies, this does not make us inferior. We are certainly not superior. We actually get the incredible opportunity to breathe life into the one who God is gonna hold account on behalf of the family. <laughs> or as the, as the Proverbs say, we can be cancer in his bones. Yeah, yeah, that's what the Proverbs say, is that a woman br- who brings shame to her husband is like cancer in his bones. Where did the woman come from? The bone. So when she breathes life, into the man, he suddenly, he becomes the warrior that he's created to be. He can, he can yield those weapons. He can take that plow, right? He can receive from God. But if she breathes shame into him, his hands go like that. His weapon blunts the hard soil of the earth and he can not flourish he cannot flourish and if he does not flourish if he cannot break up that soil she will not flourish why because he comes from the earth and and he is meant to serve the earth she comes from him and she is meant to serve him if that ground that he works becomes hard if the if his heart becomes hard because of your shame, because of the words that you use to tear him down and to make him feel like he will never be enough, you won't flourish. The women won't flourish. That's again, where I'm going to just use the word radical feminists right now, somewhere along that line. And we don't need to trace the entire history here, But somewhere along that line, they began to hold up signs that said the future is female and other signs and other indications that men were just dirt instead of men were the soil from which they would grow. That men would break up that soil so that their family can grow. The man is actually the one that nourishes the soil, the ground for his family to grow and to flourish. It is interesting to me that Jesus was a male who spoke on behalf of the family of God. And in studying the word male, I understand now why he was male, why there was God that happens to be a masculine Hebrew word, spirit, which happens to be a feminine Hebrew word. And then the son was the heir and the promise and the male because he carried the family name. And we're going to study in in a couple of episodes forward, Mary Magdalene, the woman who brought the voice of revelation to the earth, the woman that Jesus chose to do that. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so I think we've covered male. I want to just remind everybody that the word Hebrew, Nekevah, means to make a hole by piercing, it means to appoint, to designate, to create a boundary, that the circle of life continues through her. So this is what, so (laughs) these, these gender reassignment surgeries where you can be a male to female and female to male reassignment and all of this, we're going to talk about, about this uh, carefully in the, in the coming weeks. But let me just say something like that. The doctors cannot create a womb inside of the man. They can try. (laughs) But the bottom line is the bottom line is it is such a mystery. It is such a beauty. And if you really think even about the womb, what is the womb? A womb is an area in which she encompasses the life growing inside of her. Isn't that what a female does for the man? Isn't that in the marriage relationship what a a woman does for a man? She encompasses the man. She surrounds the man both physically and spiritually. So the womb is an area, is a boundary where life is grown and life is nourished She keeps order in the house. This definition comes, again, from the original language of the original scriptures of Moses, that she is the one who brings order to the house. She's a guardian of the house. We see that also in the New Testament, that the woman's role is to guard the home. Um, We see that in the word mother, which we're going to be studying around Mother's Day. I want to do a series on mothers where the mother basically is the one who brings order to the chaos of the home. (laughs) That's in her name. So understanding that the house is her domain, is her space where she carries leadership and authority over what comes into the home and what doesn't come into the home. What comes into the iPads, the kids' iPads, what doesn't come into the iPads. Certainly there needs to be unity between the man and the woman, but she is uniquely gifted when it comes to the home. In fact, have you seen a bachelor pad lately? Have you seen a bachelor pad lately? Okay, when I walk into a bachelor pad, there is, as soon as that guy gets married, that woman is gonna start bringing order, or at least she should. If she's too busy outside the home to bring order inside the home, something is awry. Something's not right. Okay, that's not healthy. That's not healthy. And that's not a judgment. That's just an understanding of our function. She's also the voice of revelation who reveals and sees as one through a window. And we're going to be talking about that as well. So that's just a quick review of where we've been. We talked about how God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. He says this, and I want to talk about this word alone today. He says this right after he's given Adam the command. Okay, not to eat from the tree. The famous command, don't eat from that tree, eat, it, eat from everything else, have at it, go crazy, Adam. Well, why does God then create a companion for Adam? He said, because it's not good for the man to be alone. What does that word alone mean? Let's do some mining, let's do a little digging because some of you ladies out there, you're not even going to bed at the same time as your husband, getting up at the same time your husband. You're not, you're not spending time with your husband. You're, you're, you're so busy with your work. You guys are all off. You, you need to actually figure out a way to have the time together because it is not good. It is not good for a man to be alone. So some things have to shift And you as the woman, if you're listening, women, it's you who creates the structure and the order for the family. He's got to agree with it and bless it. Otherwise, you guys aren't in unity, right? But the truth is, it is not good for the man to be alone. And this word alone has a very um, extensive meaning. And this is the amazing thing about scriptures. We could literally dig and dig and dig and dig and never stop digging. (laughs) into these words. The word alone means to be separated. So what is God saying? It's not good for the man to be separated. He's going to need a helper. He's going to need someone to help him. And if you're a single woman, I just want to remind you at this point, he is talking about mankind. Adam's name is the same name for mankind. So single women out there who don't have a boyfriend, don't have a husband, don't check out, I want you to know it's not good for your friends, your sisters, the people you love to be separated from the flock, right? Okay, that's the sheep and the shepherd. He says to be alone is to be brought to ruin. If you look at the root words in this Hebrew word, it's to be brought to ruin. Alone means one who would perish would be separated from the whole. He would lose his life and functionality. And in fact, for a man to be alone is to lose his function. He is not complete. While Adam is the crown of God's creation, God is not done yet because there's one thing that's not good in the garden. There's one thing that's not good and it will bring him to sure Destruction. It will actually ruin him. It will actually ruin him. And some of us women are just so dang selfish that we want all of our me time and my time. And we forget that our role is to come along and help humanity. If I don't even wake my son up early in the morning where he has enough time to really get ready for the day, he's upset because he was left alone because his mother is the first voice that he hears in the morning and that is such a beautiful thing because i'm saying to him you're not alone i've got you at 6:30 get up <laughs> get up but if i walk in there at 6:45 as i did this morning unfortunately i was so mad at myself if i he's upset he has a right to be upset he was left alone By the one who was called to guard, protect, encircle, encompass, and care for him. And to help him to go out there into this difficult world and wage warfare and pick up his weapon and open his palm and be the first, the head, the beginning to be a leader. That's what Shane says every single day to our sons when he drops them off from school. Be a leader every single day. And they're leaders. But for them to be leaders... They also need to have women who make sure that they're not left alone, because it's not good for a man to be alone. When my older son was, uh, when we were going through COVID, I tried to make him be alone. (laughs) I tried. It was impossible for an 18-year-old boy to be alone. It wasn't healthy for him. So we invited his girlfriend over. I mean, this is the bottom line. <laughs> and we began having dinners as a family because it's not good for him to be alone. He began to go into a depression. So what happens when a man goes into, uh, into this lonely, separated place? The scriptures say that he will become devastated, ruined, and separated from his functionality. Okay, so God gives him a helper suitable. We talked about that word. I want to talk about helper for just a minute. I also, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the new slide that's up there. The word helper is super fascinating to look at. Uh, the, that word is I plow and the head of man. So it's three letters. And the first one, again, is someone who would see him, someone who would know him, someone who would watch him, be a shade and a shield to him. The second letter is the same word plow. And interestingly, the word helper is a masculine name and it has two corresponding letters to the word male. And that is the plow and the head. So the woman is the one who watches over the man who protects him and who shields him. Okay, on the next episode, we are going to talk about man and woman, husband and wife, and how the woman can be the breath of either hope and life or shame and death. There is so much power in a woman's voice. So make sure you don't miss it. Do me a huge favor, rate, comment on the podcast really quick if you have a second to do that. And listen, my new book, Girl Perfect, which is an old book that we re-released, is actually out now. And so definitely go to our website at youaremore.org and check it out and make sure you get one for the young women in your life. All right, signing off. I am a woman and my name means life.